half the stuff that I say, I'm not even trying to like really make it up. Yeah. It's just my personality. Right. And the way I put stuff, like you may say, hey man, I'm gonna go eat a sandwich. And I may say, hey, slide me that Sammy. It, it's just, <laughs> it's, it, all, it, yeah. it all depends on, you know what I'm saying? What's going on, everybody? Episode 16, that's right. 16, right? 16. I got my buddy Derek Nallen in the studio. I guess this is like, how many times has it been now? Is this the fourth time? Fourth or fifth. Because you yeah. did one of your you did you did like an honest hour or whatever. Like we were trying to jump you off. Like you did you've been here multiple times, but a part of my show, I think it's it, I think it's four times now. Four times, yeah. yeah. And you've yeah. been in every setup I've had, so you've seen the evolution. <laughs> you've seen the evolution of it all. You've seen it you've seen it from the basic, you know, closet to right. the to the to the you know, to the little bit of bigger office. Now you you've been I think you were in there twice. Maybe, and then now you're here in like the professional setup. What, what do you think of this place, dude? I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not trying to gas you or anything like that. But these are the this setup right here with the table, your logo, how this is set up with the with the equipment, uh, the way the sound and everything is set up. We got it's it's amazing. Uh, this is somewhere that you know you can definitely tell you guys thought this through and thought about, you know, like productivity, what's going to be best for us, you know? And also I think you guys should have more shots of this room yeah. because I don't think people understand just what all goes into this and how expansive it is. Right. You know, I think people only see a certain part, but if you guys, you know, branched out and showed more, uh, even Weston, you yeah. know, like they would really see like this is an official setup. Right. Yeah. So you think it's professional quality? Oh man, hands Probably down. Professional quality. Hands down. Yeah. Well, we we love hearing that. So I appreciate you bragging on us. Yeah. Um, this is this is awesome. And I'm excited to bring you back on um cuz you know, we've we're starving for attention over here, you know? Like we we want to do things that are impactful for the community. We want to bring voices on that are going to, you know, be big, loud, influential voices. Um and I think that's you, you know, you have um you know, some ambition in your life that I am trying to nurture and encourage. And like, um, like I want to see you achieve things in a big way. Right. And I want you to take advantage of everything that we're trying to do and like us pass knowledge on to each other and things like that. So, um, I appreciate you being willing to come back and be like more of a regular scheduled type guest on this thing and just talk about life. You know, yeah. <laughs> just talk about what's going on in the world. Talk about our opinions on it. Maybe have a disagreement or two. Right. You know, maybe get maybe get passionate about something. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and and just talk about you know. Yesterday at the closing table, uh, and we'll backtrack on like you know everything there. But I didn't even know you uh, wrestled in high school. Yeah. You know, I, so you were talking wrestling. I was like, yeah. dude, and he's still connected on it, and he's still passionate about it, and you still can hold conversations on it. Yeah, that was um, awesome. I think that when the guys started talking about it, wrestling was a sport that I did because I loved it. Yeah. Football was a sport that I played because I felt like I should. Right. Most of my friends played. My dad wanted me to play. Right. Nothing against that. Yeah. It was just that football was something that came around. It was like you know that you're you're going out for football. Wrestling was something that challenged me in a different way, mentally, physically, emotionally. And when you're out there by yourself versus another man, there's no help. Yeah. Like you are trying to beat that opponent for the team points yeah. so that the team wins the match. Right. But 
the adversity that wrestling provides somebody, you're not going to find that in most other places. Right. You know, and they're lifelong skills. Yeah. Um, those things are muscle memory to me. Right. You know, and I'm not saying that I'm some Rambo or something like that, but I'm <laughs> saying what I am saying that I know, I know that I know a few things that most people don't have in their catalog, right. you know, in a certain situation. And I think that wrestling provides that. And it, and it was fun. Yeah. Like I can genuinely tell you that the most fun I've ever had was on those Christiansburg wrestling trips, going to Virginia duels, going to wherever we went to and the laughs and the jokes and just, you know, we were like a tight group. Yeah. So, yeah. What was it like having a man like Kevin Dresser in your life? Um, like, I mean, he was the one just cracking the whip, right? right. Uh, so, like, I mean, he's a high-level, you know, high-level, like, elite kind of guy. So, like, how was that having him as an influence on in your life? Dresser, um, he was like a father figure to us. Yeah. Um, he was tough but fair. Um, we had conversations outside of wrestling, you know, hey, how's your family doing? Hey, do you need new wrestling shoes? Hey, um, you know, if you come work the bingo hall, you know, uh, we can put that money towards your wrestling shoes. And, you know, parents work the bingo hall to pay for trips and stuff like that. And I hope I'm not saying anything incorrectly. Yeah. But there were opportunities. Dresser provided opportunities not only for us as students, but for parents, for people that – graduated from the program, went to college and came back and found themselves a home here and had an opportunity to coach. Right. Sounds like he really created that community and went deep on the people that were associated with his program. Yes. Yes. Um, he branched out outside of that as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people know that dresser was a smart businessman Yeah, and he treated wrestling almost the same way. Yeah. So outside of, his expertise as being a coach, being a uh, Olympic wrestler, he also was a smart businessman in his real estate, his storages, his his units. I mean, his rental properties. I mean, yeah, he was somebody you could really look up to and be like, man, I wonder how he does it. Yeah, but I want to do that someday. Right. Yeah. Just so so, imagine you know the the fee that comes from being the coach at Christiansburg Wrestling. It's probably not a big fee. But he parlayed that. He he figured out a way to make, you know, the things that he knew valuable. And I just I think he's a great example of what you can accomplish if you're really passionate and can understand the dynamics of everything. He is. So he's uh, a great example. And he's still doing that. Yeah. He's still doing that at the uh, D Division One level. Yeah. Where he's at now, I think it's Iowa State. Iowa I believe. State. Yeah. And you know the the recruiting process that he went through at Tech, and he he went into there and changed that program for those guys. Sorry right. about that. It's all good. Um, the great thing about these mics is that it probably doesn't even pick that up much. Gotcha, yeah. yeah. Um, he went through, and, and he was really able to um, set a foundation. And Dresser, his motto was like, whatever I'm telling you is not to punish you, it's to make you better. Yeah. And so basically he was saying, like, if I go tell you to eat that pile of mud – and it's going to make you a better wrestler, you should eat. Right. You know? And he always said it takes three moves back to back to beat a good guy, to take down a good guy. One move is not going to do it. Right. You're going to have to multiply three moves in a row because he calls them studs. That's what he would call them. <laughs> and, you know, just so many uh, so many good memories of, of him and, uh, you know, the, the workouts we would do and stuff like that. But wrestling is a sport I still follow today. Yeah. Wrestling it sounded is, like it. Like yeah, you were yeah. real knowledgeable about I it. I know the people. I know the college wrestlers. I know 
the big matches and things like that that are coming up and some of the upcoming superstars. And me and some of my friends, Sergio Stewart, we still follow it. We still talk about it yeah. uh, because it's big. And and once it's in your blood, right. I mean, you, you can't get rid of it, right. you know. And, uh, I mean, even now as grown men, we're almost 40 years old, we still wrestle each other and and, and, and try to take each other down and do so because you That's just you, you cannot help it, you know. You can't help it. So, yeah. Square off, huh? Square off, yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you have to. You have to. And if and and if you're not sharpening your tools, what good are they? Right. You know. So I think that not only is it good for uh, discipline wise, but I think it's a sport that you know. One day, if I had children, I would I would put them into that boy or girl because it really, really, really teaches you a lot about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So. You start holding yourself accountable. I mean, even like you know the weight cuts and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. you're doing that at a young age too. Like that doesn't. That doesn't just start in high school. I think from what I observe, like these kids are having to, you know, if they want to be real competitive, they've got to like start that even like in a middle school type range. Right. You know, you know most so you these, start you start really triggering your diet to try to get into these classes that you want to wrestle in. Yeah. Most of these kids, and I was a late bloomer, most of these kids are coming into the wrestling room already wrestling since the time that they could walk. Right. I came in at ninth grade. That's late. Yeah. You know, uh, you got some of these kids that, uh, like the Epperleys. Yeah. You know, like since they could Out breathe. The you know, since they could breathe. Yeah. And you already know that the next brother to follow, he's going to be just as good because he's been against the best. Right. The best lived in his household. Yeah. You know? Right. And, you know, so, and, and that was one thing about Christiansburg, and I don't want to get on it too long. Our room was so competitive because – we had 14, 15 state titles at the time. Yeah. We had the best of the best in the room every day. Yeah. So from 103 to heavyweight, you're going to catch a good guy somewhere. Right. And so you can imagine the the, the testosterone, the animosity some days, the fist fights, the, you know, just the out of controlness yeah. because. Because the ego. The ego is there. Yeah. And you're trying to make the A team. I mean, even our B team. Right. We could take our B team and smack any school within a hundred mile radius. Wow. At that time. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it really was a testament to the program and to what we were going through. And like I said, there are guys, I'm only speaking from a position of me being in the program, yeah. I'm talking about guys that were four-time state champions, B.J. Compton, you know, some of those names that will come up, you know, um, and seeing those guys and what they did and what they went on to do. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, that's That was cool for me to experience. I, I really couldn't be involved in that conversation, but I liked hearing. See, the thing about you is you're a storyteller. You, you, you go deep and you're entertaining and you – you have words, you know, like you use these things that uh, captivate people, you know. So, like, I just want, I just want, you know, to know where you are with the ambition, uh, this comedy thing, like, right. you know, like I know you just took a promotion at your 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 job, like, right. you know, like where are you at in life, like, um, you know, I know you just got into a relationship. Right. With a fine lady. Right. I mean, you know, you guys are seem perfect for each other. So right. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And that I'd, I'd like to know how y'all met. I like, just right. take us like, yeah. let's let's have people like really get to know who you are and like what's going on in your life. Right. Well, um, as far as like comedy and stuff like yeah. that, the reason why and I apologize for taking a little bit of a hiatus, because what I was fighting against 
was, are you really that funny? Yeah. Can you do this? Was somebody in your life, a relationship in your life, holding you back or making you feel that way? No, it was all me. Okay. It was 100% me. Gotcha. I have the most support from family, friends, yourself, yeah. uh, Weston, different people that I've talked to that are like, hey, when you're ready, we're ready. Yeah. And I think when I came to the table and I started to really write stuff out, the fear, the crippling fear of being on stage or doing a 30-minute bit or to do something and it falling through. But I know that's going to happen. Yeah. It took Kevin Hart almost 15 years. That first painting, bro, is going to suck. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it took him almost 15 years. And he was funny early on yeah. to really branch out. And then at the second that people feel like you're not funny anymore, oh, he's washed. Yeah. He's not washed. He'll go down as one of the greats. Yeah. You know, you know how much. And, 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 and I feel like the thing that helps me is half the stuff that I say I'm not even trying to like really make it up. Yeah. It's just my personality. Right. And the way I put stuff, like you may say, hey man, I'm gonna go eat a sandwich. And I may say, hey, slide me that Sammy. It, it's just <laughs> it's it all it, yeah. it all depends on, you know what I'm saying? But that doesn't that doesn't mean you're not funny. Right. It's just that really for me in my life, the way I deal with stress, the way I deal with um the things that I go through that everybody else goes through, yeah, is I make myself laugh. I try to keep myself in a in a up upbeat and i like to see people around me the same way when i can make people laugh it's a feeling that like <laughs> you know like i mean i'm like bent over crying laugh right. i mean that that and it's good for the soul it is and i really feel like there's so many people in my family you guys haven't met that are so funny yeah and i feel like it just i get it from them yeah so to back up the reason why i took a little bit of a break is one i was questioning myself the second thing was I didn't really know which direction to go, yeah. whether I wanted to do a show or try to get on stage and do some of my jokes because I have a lot of jokes written out, yeah. you know, and I was also scared of some of the reprisal that I might get from family, from people that are around from, me. From your employer. For Yes, because some things that you can say yeah. can be canceled, canceled, canceled right? culture, you know. Who knows how that might impact your employment? You know, who knows yeah. how that might impact friendships or yeah. certain things? Or, um, you know, if if I make a joke and certain people in my family, the community, oh, he, that was too vulgar. Oh, he shouldn't say that. Well, I'm sorry. I know you say the same things behind closed doors yeah. at your and, table. And the fact is, is you can, you can be sorry that someone feels the way that they feel. Right. But you don't necessarily have to be sorry for what you said. All right. I'm like, not going to be sorry that, because for that's right. you. Right. That's you. So, like, you know, you, you don't want to make anybody feel bad or anybody feel a certain type of way that's negative. But at the same time, you hold your art in such high regard that you don't apologize for having those opinions. Not at all. Like, because that's you. Right. Like, you're expressing you. And this is the art form that you, like I said, that first painting is going to suck. Your first comedy act is like the painting. Right. That an artist, you know, that a painter paints. Like, right. that's the same thing. Right. You can relate into the same way. I just want you to get started, bro. Right. I just want you to, like, amplify your voice to the people of this community and, like, have them feel like your family does at, you know, dinner time, like when you're just chopping it up and being you. Yeah. You know? And I think that sometimes with family and friends, I have a lot of support. Another fear was a criticism because, you know, people say, oh, well, He's too friendly. He's too nice. He does this. I can't help who I am. I'm not going to judge you on who you are. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, well, I don't think he's that. That's fine. I don't mind what people think because I know for one, I take chances. 
Number two, I have the drive that they don't have. Yeah. And number three, I don't mind making a mistake because that's how you learn. Yeah. I'm going to keep trying at this until I fully step in and really just launch what I want to do. I have a brand. You know, I have, you know, um, I want to launch So Houston TV. I want to launch certain things because I feel like I have the mindset for it. But another thing that comes into it is I don't understand why I have such a fear of saying certain things um, because I think that's a part of comedy. You don't go to a comedy show to be offended. You don't watch a podcast to be offended. You watch a podcast because it's informative, it's entertaining, it's it's um, it's got some type of self help with it. Yeah, you know something. Yeah, so, or something valuable. Something to, valuable yeah, to you. Yeah. So I feel like the things that we will talk about, the way that we will put things. I just want somebody, even if it's five people, to if they tuned in and I make them laugh. So um, sorry about that. Uh, something happened with my phone. You know, I really just want to get into a point or a position in life where I can really expand on how I feel about things and, 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 and comedy and, and even bring, and really all I'm trying to do is bring real stories. Yeah. I want to talk about how my mom used to discipline us back in the day. Yeah. You know, give us a story, uh, man. um, So my mom had this thing about me having dark elbows, right? Dark elbows. (laughs) Dark elbows. Okay. And she was like, you're not going to go to school with dark elbows, you know? So I was like, mom, I don't even understand, you know? And she put lotion and, and different things. And I don't know if it was eczema. I don't know if it was some type of actual condition, right. but she had this huge thing about having dark elbows and knees. Right. Wow. And I think in my community, like a lot of people would, would know about that. So I would be like a uh, adolescent, you know, uh, taking a shower and mom will come in with this foot scrubber, like a loofah heel scrubber. Huh. That's not meant for your elbows and your knees and right. things like that. And she had some type of some type of something she mixed up herself. Huh. She'd say, hold your arm out. Not, you know, I'm, I'm in here shouting like, mom, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing, you know what I'm saying? But you can't tell your mom, you know what I'm saying? Especially my mom, right. no. Right. Hold your arm out, you know? <laughs> so I put my arm out of the shower and I'm tucking the curtain in my armpit because I'm like, I'm in here, you know? Right. And she's got her hair pulled back with this foot scrubber scrubbing my elbow. And I'm sh- literally screaming. It hurts. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think this is making it any better. Right. You ain't going to school with black elbows. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, they're going to be black after you get done. You know what I'm saying? Taking they're not me black. They're coming out blue. Blue taking me down to the white meat on my elbow, you know? And like people would not believe that this happened. Right. My sister knows it happened, but this is real, right. you know? And then like my mom had this big thing. My mom is a very clean person. Right. She didn't. My mom had home decor back in the day. I know people remember like the, the Longenberger baskets, the woven baskets. Right. right? right. My mom had them everywhere. My mom had that iconic bridesmaid picture on the wall. You know. So one day, me and my sister were roughhousing. Long story short, we hit the wall. That picture fell. Oh man. Frame cracked. Wow. My mom's in the other room. What was that? Me and her looked at each other like. Oh, your picture, which one? Your favorite one? I heard the spatula slam on the damn st- on the stove. <laughs> I beat 
and that's a famous slogan of my mom. Right. Three words. I be dang. Yeah. You're right. Me and my sister screamed and took off in different directions. I went in the living room. Morgan went in the kitchen, you know. <laughs> so it's just like we knew when my mom said those three words, like it was going to be on. But a lot of the comedy, a lot of the things that I do now comes from those times in yeah. high school. It was just me, my mom, and my sister. So in the evenings, that normalcy that my mom created, she gave me a platform and she didn't even know it. Right. I was running material off of my mom and my sister, making them laugh. And I really think that when we came into the house in the evening, we shut the world out and it was just us. Nice. And we would make each other laugh. We would have dinner. We would do things. And my mom provided that for us. And I didn't understand what that meant until I became an adult. Yeah. What normalcy should be for kids. Right. The way that that should look. Not to get too serious, but my mom allowed me to do that. She didn't tell me, hey, you're being too silly. Hey, stop making up stories. Stop lying. So stop she would laugh at your stories. Oh, all the time. My yeah. mom still does. I can call her right now and have her in tears. Yeah. Because I make up something about, oh, I went to 7-Eleven and this guy was in there with coveralls and no underwear up on. You know, I can make right. up anything. Yeah. And she would laugh. And I really appreciate her giving me that space and that opportunity to really be who I was. Because one thing I've learned is a lot of people will try to discredit who you are. Yeah. But you, I'm this way for a reason. Sounds like your mom was the nurturer of your ability to tell the story. Right, right. Sounds like. And, and she was captivated. Like You captivated her at a young age, and but you got to learn how to do that with her presence in, like, in your life. Right, Yeah. right. That's I did. Awesome. And also, I got to learn about talking about how you feel. Yeah. Talking about what bothers you. My mom gave me that space. You know how many parents don't do that? Yeah. You know how I many parents don't tell their kids, hey, how are you feeling? What's wrong? Yeah. And so maybe now as an adult, people may feel like I talk too much or I share too much or this or that. But guess what? On whose scale? Right. Whose scale are you basing that on? Yours? Right. Come on. Yeah. You're basing how I am on your scale? Right. Okay. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to do it. Right. So Because you don't care about their scale. Right. I, and I would never nitpick that much. Yeah. To be so in tune with someone's skill because really it 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 tires me. Yeah. To really be that involved in somebody else's life, one, I'm not gonna do it. Two, it tires me out because I want people to just be happy. Yeah. We have limited time here. Right. And most days you don't feel good. Right. So the days that you do, you need to like run. No doubt. You know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because we don't know what how talking about the life path the life know, a path lot, a, lot, a lot of times you can sit down and cry on it sometimes you just walking slowly sometimes right. you're moving backwards moving backwards and, right but sometimes you need to run you need to run that's i think the analogy you're going for right, right? and i want to run i want to run with this i want to be a a continuous guest here i want to develop something that i have been working on for a while yeah. we've been at this for years and i still haven't taken a step yet yeah and i know that and i can admit that to myself but I know that I have material. I know that I have a personality. To That's really the main thing you on. have. You, you just need to get past the fear of success. I think there's there's what if this blows? What what am I going to do if I'm actually who I thought I could be? Because you have a lot on the line, bro. I'm just going to say, yeah. you know, like the relationships in your life will change. Right. You know, uh, the employment in your life could change. Right. I mean, you know, you got a secure buttoned up, I can retire on job. But if you have the opportunity to, 
you know, open for Chappelle or, you know, you Golly. got a TV opportunity. Right. Hey, I'm going to have to see y'all later. Right. You know? Right. And maybe a job will be open for me if I if my star falls, but as it rises, I got to go. Right. You know? And I always said, I told my mom, if I really made it with this, I'd buy her a house. Yeah. And I would say that, like, you know, this microphone bought you a house because, like, she provided that for us. Right. And there's no greater feeling than that. Yeah. And I think, which brings me to the next point about where I'm at in life right now, um, I really want to go forward with this. I really want this. The show aspect, I see people that started out like million dollars worth of game. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that podcast. Nope. They went from like. And I will look into it. Rarely bubbling. Yeah. They're number one. Yeah. On and, and, and that's where we are. Like, right. I, I, I'm, we're not getting a lot of attention. We've been trying hard. We're we're trying to bring on compelling guests. I mean, I had John Laser on, you know, right. Virginia Tech Sports, right. that guy. I mean, like we're having some pretty good guys come on. Reggie Grubb, I don't know if you know Reggie Grubb. I think I know the name. Yeah, not, yeah. Um, guy from Pulaski, actually, hundred thousand TikTok uh, followers. Wow. Yeah. So local guy blowing up, doing good things, writing books and stuff like That's that. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, like we're trying, but we're we're in that like slow drip right now. We're trying to just ramp up, so. It'd be good to have our voices partnered with each other right. and kind of ride this wave and, or create this wave that we need. Right. You know? And I think I can help. I think that um, we can put our heads together and come up with different stuff. Yeah. I think this show, this setup, this everything you guys have is amazing here. And I think that you're really providing people opportunity that they didn't know that they had. Yeah. And I really want to take advantage of what you guys have built. And not just for myself, but for, you know, for everybody, because I feel like I've been here with you guys almost every step of the way. I've every seen it. Every step of the way. Every step of the way. You've I've seen, seen the it. full evolution. You're the only person, really, other than the people that have helped me change these offices. Um, you're you're the person that has seen every step. Right. I mean, and that's a special thing. It is. You know? it's, 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 I saw your vision, and when you brought people on board – and, you know, it's kind of like delegating. Hey, I may not be the best person as far as equipment set up, but I'm going to get somebody that is. Yeah. And when you do that, look at what happens. And, hey, use me as motivation, dude. I'm not the greatest interviewer. I mean, conversations isn't something that just flows out of me all the time. Right. But I'm just out here. I just put myself out here. I say, well, Joe Rogan can get a $100 million contract. I'm going to go try to do something in that in that same arena, right, you know, right. and provide for my local community, have people get to know who I am. Really, it's all – it's at the bottom line of it all, it's all an attention game. Right. So we just got to get people's eyes, and then we can work on their hearts. Work on their hearts, right. Know? Yeah, because I want to have serious conversations too. Yeah. I want to talk about love, yeah. backing up to that, relationships, yeah. and – and 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 finding finding forever is what I call it. Yeah. Because I feel like that that is something that is hard because you asked me about relationships, you asked me about my life. Well, I spoke a little bit about why I didn't go into comedy and things like that. The yeah. show full fledged. Right. Also, you know, I am in a relationship and a great relationship and and she's a great person. Talk about Rose. And you know, Rose Rose is, she probably doesn't want me to talk about her on here, so I won't <laughs> say that much. But I will talk about love. Yeah, Love is something that allows you to be so transparent and vulnerable that you're never going to really have that opportunity ever, you know, outside of that. And what you have to prepare yourself for is you're praying and you're hoping that 
the love that you find that that person it's kind of like Groundhog Day because every day you wake up, you want that situation to be the same. Yeah, you want that that good morning, you want that good night, you want that hello, you want that I love you, yeah. and we put all our chips in hoping that that thing remains constant. And I think what we have to prepare ourselves for sometimes is what if that changes? Yeah. What does that look like for people? Some people, does that devastate them to the point where they become cold and they don't want to try? Does that, you know, put people in a state where they can't really get out of bed? I've seen it all. Yeah. I've seen people walk away from marriages after 30 years and be okay. I've seen people break up after two years and stop eating. Yeah. You know, so like I think that love is such a beautiful thing and it it's an action. Love is an action. Love is a choice. You choose to love that person every day. Yeah. Because what you have to look past is if you're in a relationship and that person's not treating you the way you feel like you should be treated, you can't automatically just go in and jump into yourself and be like, "Hey, I need this, I need that." Sometimes you have to back up and say, "Wait, what are they going through? Right. What is something wrong? Are you going through something that makes you feel, you know, are you okay? Because I think that we're so used to emotionally going inward and thinking about what we need instead of thinking about, I know this person, I know their character. Let me kind of bypass the moment right now and look at the bigger picture. They don't normally communicate with me in this way. So it has to be something else and let's figure that out, you know? So I think if you can do that, if you can keep at the front of your mind that the person you love goes through days, hard days and differences the same way that you do, you'll be able to navigate through those rough days and say, Hey, I know that they normally wouldn't interact with me like this. So let me take a step back. Yeah. And I think that that's hard to do in the moment. It is, it's so hard to do because you think, you think all their anger or dissatisfaction is something caused by you <laughs> immediately Yeah, because you're there every day. Most meals at night, the conversations, yeah. the family conversations, you're going to have them all. And I'm speaking about this from experience because, yeah. you know, I try to keep my personal relationships kind of private yeah. and it's not because I don't want to talk about it. It's maybe the, you know, the other person. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I do know that my mom always told me, Real love doesn't run out. It has peaks and valleys, yeah. but real love does not run out. Yeah. You may feel lower at points. You may feel higher at points, but the foundation is your friendship. Yeah. When you have a disagreement, the thing that you hit before rock bottom is your friendship. That's what you were built on. Yeah. And that's what keeps you coming back because love has seasons. Love changes. When we're older, Scott, and we're hopefully we're married and we have that forever partner. Yeah. Our love should still be flirtatious. It still should be going on dates and taking trips, but it will change. Yeah. At that point, it becomes more about companionship and taking care of each other yeah. rather than really like, oh, I'm going to impress her because I got my hair cut today and I feel fly and I hope she likes it. You know what I'm saying? So, so what you're saying is there's a physical, there's a, you know, seasonal changes in your relationship. There are. And obviously there's a, um, you know, a time probably when the physical aspect of the relationship kind of winds down and right. it's more about companionship. I totally agree with that. Um, but I hope that that physical aspect of my relationship 
is going to last as long as it possibly can. Because I feel like when the physical relationship comes to an end, the relationship does start to die off a little bit. What do you think about that? I do think a little bit because we do place a large importance on a physical connection in relationships. And I think that that has something to do with our own personal selves and society. Yeah. Because society tells you, oh, it needs to be like this. It needs to be like that. I think it needs to be however makes you happy and what you guys share together. My grandparents, my granddad, rest in peace, to the day that he left this earth, he looked at my grandmother. He told her he loved her. All he wanted was to do was to kiss her and hold her hand. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's the type of love I want. Me too. And that's the type of love that will carry you through because – he still flirted with her like he was 20. You know what I'm saying? The right. things he would say, he would dance with her. Those are things that carry people through. Yeah. I mean, those are things that I think that a woman wants long-term. She wants you to dance with her in the kitchen for no reason. She wants the small gifts. She wants her favorite snacks for no reason. She wants you to, to ask her if she wants food. She says no, but you bring it anyway. Yeah. She wants you to fill her gas tank up. She wants you to give her an adult 20. Y'all know what an adult 20 is? It's 100, right? <laughs> How fast does a $100 bill go, right? right? So me and Rose, we call it adult 20s, right. right? Those things, all you can do is try. Yeah. Because we don't know how things are going to go, but I feel like if you can be the best person you can and try, and love is learning. You learn so much from love, like, family friendships and i think that you have to hold the same accountability in your relationships that you do in your friendships you wouldn't hold the trigger back to tell one of your best friends if they're wrong so i don't feel like we now delivery is everything that's true delivery is everything i think we should come to the table sometimes and sit down with our partners and say hey um are we in a space to discuss this? Because I'd like to tell you something. Man, that's really good. That's a really say that again. Are we? Are not? Are we? Yeah. I think I think you should term we because a lot of people, even myself, feel attacked when someone makes a uh, a suggestion or uh, constructive criticism. Yeah. So I think the word that we should use is we. Yeah. Are we in a space to talk about this? Or if you don't want to say that, hey, babe. Are you in a space to have a conversation with me right now? Okay, that's that's perfect. Man. Right? That's because perfect. if she's not or he's not or yeah. they are not, then you understand that right now might not be the time. But sometimes it's not the right time to have the conversation. Yeah. It's just you don't want it to go too far. Right. And you don't want it to go days and days and days. So what I'm saying is learning about someone, learning communication and love, it comes from really wanting to understand what's going on. Because that's the only way you're going to know. So when you ask them, hey, are we in a space to have this conversation right now? Okay, we are. Okay, start the conversation with affirmations. First, I want to tell you that you're beautiful. Second, I want to tell you thank you for helping with this process of us moving this week and you packing all this stuff and you being flexible. Second, I noticed that you're doing this. I love that. Thank you. Give affirmations first. Now, every conversation is not going to go like this, but I'm not sitting here telling you something I haven't tried. Right. I, I do implement things that I read. It does sound like that you've got experience on on that for sure. Start with affirmations. Yeah, that was that's good stuff. Because you want to let having them trouble know. in your relationship, he might have the, he might have the answers. <laughs> and 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 I'm not I'm not a relationship. This is good stuff though. This is coming from failure. Yeah. What I'm telling you right now is coming from failed attempts at communication. Yeah. Sit down and say because the way that 
the way that I love someone, if I do love them, if I feel like they're all in, it's real, right? Start, and I and, and this comes from being a young man in my early 20s where you have the shouting matches. No, and everybody wants to be right. Yeah. Nobody's hearing anybody. You are listening to respond instead of listening to understand. And a lot of people still do that, right? Yeah. Because they're listening for that key word that pings them. And they're like, all right, new conversation. Right. Why'd you say that, right? So now the conversation that we had has turned into multiple conversations because people are listening to respond. Right. So start with affirmations first because I feel like it lets the person know, hey, I do have something I'd like to share with you. It might not go over well, but just know that I love you and I see all these other things that you're doing that that I appreciate that I love you for makes me feel good about you. Right. The second thing after that is to try to use statements where people understand what you mean. Hey, when these things happen, I don't like the position it puts us in, and I just want to make sure we're okay. Gotcha. Right? Because if something changes, I'd rather know and I'd rather us talk about it. And then you move forward from there. And another thing that I've had that I've been told recently and I had to work on, not in even in relationships, but is resolution. I think sometimes, and I saw Will Smith post something about love. He said, love is not something where someone makes a mistake and we continually grind them down for that mistake yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. Love is accepting that they made a mistake. You love them, giving them space to heal, which gives you space to heal. Yeah. So I, I feel that all the mistakes I've made in my life, in relationships, in, in family, in everything, it comes from taking a step back and I'm the type of person, if I mess up, just know it's going to eat at me for days. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, man, I'm going to be at work sick. I'm going to be at nighttime sick. Yeah. It, you just hold it. And then you come back and you say, hey, I made a mistake. I'd like to talk to you. I didn't really mean that like that. Right. And I think that arguments now, at the age we're at now, if I feel like there's going to be an argument with family, friends, relationships, it almost puts me in a point where I'm like, <laughs> I it I it's like anxiety. Right. You don't even have the 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 words to even start. Right. So that's one thing that I'm very thankful of. My close relationships, friends, family, everything, you know, partner. We talk and it and it and it and it stays in a healthy conversation. Healthy does not mean it won't be hurtful. Right. Healthy means that we're not taking below the belt shots, yeah. we're not belittling. We're not canceling the other person out. We're not saying that something you're saying is not valid. We're not doing that. Healthy doesn't mean hurtful yeah. because there are honest things that are going to be hurtful. It just means that we're not going to go to places where the conversation could go because we've learned that that's not productive. Yeah. And I don't think there's anybody out there that's watching this right now that can't say that they've never said a curse word, raised their voice or done something. You've done that at some point, but you've learned that that's, one, it doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Number two, you learn that that's not going to be productive because you're really not getting the, the soul part of it out. Yeah. I feel like when I talk to people now, I really want them to understand how I feel because I care about the big picture. Yeah. And the other side to me is cold, and I don't want to go there with people. So I try to be open because when I shut down, when I become cold, it's a protective measure for me yeah. because all I'm used to doing is grinding for me. Because at the end of the day, the hard thing about life, people have plans, whether it's to benefit you, to hurt you, or to not whatever. 
just make sure you hatch your plan too. Yeah. Because stuff can go from a really high place on a mountain to where you're looking up at that same mountain the next day yeah. and you're trying to figure out what happened. Right. So just 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 know that when people are giving you advice, when people are close to you, they have plans. And don't just push off everything you're doing, your safety net for that as well. Right. Because I've been in that position. You know? So it's all good advice, man. Yeah. It's good stuff. And I think as far as not to come back, I feel like it got serious for a second. No, but, it did, but it was but, all valuable and good stuff. I mean, the life experience you're sharing with us is deep, right? You know, and, and it's good. It's good. You know, somebody might be going through it right now, and, and I and you and your voice, your voice maybe put them in a spot, right? And know? I and I hope that people have these conversations offline, and I hope that people can hear something that I'm going to share at some point and be like, you know what, I've experienced that. Yeah. Like I said, everything that I'm talking about comes from failure. I'm going to be the first person to tell you I have failed at a at, at so many things, but I've also been successful. Yeah. Even right now, as we talk, me and you just were able to sell my home. Yeah. That was a very stressful thing for a lot of people yeah. around me, and I did not mean to cause stress for people. I didn't mean to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. That came from a position of opportunity. And at the end of the day, one thing I've learned is if you see an opportunity and you think that it could be okay for you and your family, I'm not doing this just for me. Yeah. Right? You hustle for your last name, right? Right. So I'm thinking about years down the line. Yeah. Right? Two years ago, people were whispering that I was finished. You know? Because of the donut <laughs> shot. Two years ago, people, I heard it. Yeah. Oh, he's done. He's finished. They didn't know. I'm... I come from the grind. And I got to wake up the next day. I mean, the day you handed the keys over, right. you woke up the next day, next day right? right? You didn't die? No. And, yeah. and, and, and I feel good about that because that's an experience that I held. The loss and the pain that I felt, I shared. And my sister looked at me and she said, hey, you've been through worse stuff than this. Oh, yeah. So figure it out. Yeah. And I feel like now, because of we what we did, I just wanted people to understand that I'm trying to make a way for my not only my future, but for the people I love too. Yeah, I I want to be in a position where if I have a child one day and they need their first car, boom, I got you. Yep. It ain't it might be a Camry <laughs> because I want you know what I'm saying I want I want I want something that's safe and I want you know your first car to be something that you really appreciate. But, you know, I wasn't in a position to get a first car, and I know a lot of people were not. Yeah. But I want to be in a position for my family yeah. to say that, hey, uh, my, wife at the, my wife needs a new car. Yeah. My wife needs this. I don't want them to worry about how that's going to happen. Right. And I think that once I took a loss the way that I did, I went into harvest mode. All I wanted to do was retain. Right. Right? And I Did think you have that, any fear of loss after that? Do you have any real fear of loss after after you took that? You know, you yeah. Took, like so, every dollar you just you just had to hold on to it a little longer, a little tighter, right? And I thought about the way that those dollars were. Did you appreciate it more? Yes, you appreciate it more, and also you appreciate Big Sean is a rapper, and he said in the line, he said, "If it costs you peace of mind, it might be too expensive." Yeah. 
that set in deep with me. No doubt. Because peace of mind can't replace money, right? You, I mean, I said that wrong. Money can't replace peace of mind. Right. You might not have a $10, but the peace of mind and stress that can alleviate from you yeah. can make that $10 for like 1000 Yep. right? So when I thought about that, I had to get back to what makes me happy. What's going to make me feel okay? Because at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my happiness, right? So that fear of that loss that I took only kind of propelled me to go back to the drawing board, to invest better, to roll the dice again in a a better way, housing market. You know, there were people that came to me in my face and told me you're making the wrong decision. You need to stay where you're at. But those same people were not coming to me with a bag yeah. and saying, Hey, stay in your home. And here's X amount of dollars too. Right. And I know it comes from a good place. I completely understand that. Hey man, you can never blame yourself for taking shots. Right. You took a shot to donut business. You seen an opportunity to cash out. Right. You're going to go make a good decision on, on a house to start your life with your woman. Right. I mean, that's a, you know, the, the things that you're doing in your life seem practical and reasonable. You're an observant guy. You know, you have vision. If it was up to me, like I would have told you to go buy a different house and you bought. Then I bought three, four years ago. Three years later. Right. I mean, you, you've recouped all the losses you took from the donut business just in that sale, you know, and you've got, you know, a, a, a little savings right. behind. So, And that's one thing I was thinking about. You think about hitting the reset button. Yeah. Sometimes we got to hit the reset button, Definitely. right? And I love my home. I still do. That home will forever have precious memories to me. Holidays, I'm a big family guy. Everybody knows that, right? And I'm just designed that way. And I love cooking for my family. I love having people over. I love seeing people just there. So that was one bittersweet moment. of. of, But I saw that house as coming from a place of peace and, and stability and protection to like, oh, the way the market is now that it's an asset. Yeah. And this is the, this is, you know, something that I've done before and I don't know what the market is going to do, but let me tell you how I'm thinking about it. Yeah. The market may continue to increase next year and your property, your home may uh, appreciate another $60,000. Yeah. Now, do you go ahead and strike now and take a guarantee or do you wait for that extra 60,000? Right. The problem is when your house is, $180,000, whatever your home is, 360000 Yeah. Can we find a buyer that wants to buy your home for three sixty? Because you're sitting on $360,000, but can you unload it? Yeah. Can we find a buyer that wants that property? You never know. You never know what market conditions are in the future. You right. know what market conditions are now. Right now. You know? So. And, and when I look what in Charlotte. Will you, will you, yeah, did you regret the Charlotte sale, though, and – Knowing that it appreciated well beyond what you paid for it. Right. Or what you got for it. The house you know? I sold in Charlotte, I looked back a year later, it was over three. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, but there was no way that I feel like I could have held that house and still came up here and, 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 and took got on the opportunity new- you got. Right. There's to- opportunity cost to everything. Right. So like, you know, you've seen the opportunity to make this transition, you know, start scouting out like where you're going to possibly raise a family, you right. know, like. I, I think, you know, the transition, you, you struck at a perfect time, in my opinion. You right. Know, you got in. I think, you know, I, I thought you were paying too much. Right. But you had the vision. You did the work. You you created that space. It was great. You cashed out in a major way. You won on that deal. 
Right. You know? And I remember so. you telling me, hey, we got to educate them. And right. me and you even went back and forth, like, you know, and I was like, Scott, I, I just feel pay like. It. Just pay it. Just pay. I was like, Scott, yeah. let's just pay him. Yeah. Because I knew that guy, the situation he was in, but I saw that house being a forever home. Yeah. And it is that to me. And it, and, and I think that I can create that somewhere else. Yeah. But I also think about there are people out here every day making moves. Yeah. There are people out here every day that have an opportunity, that have property. And you even told me a business or real estate are the two ways that you're really going to be able to come up somehow. Yep. And even one of my best and smartest friends who I won't say his name, but he is in a very, very high position within the company that he works for. I consult him on most of the moves that I'm going to make before I make them. Yeah. And I keep my moves low. You're probably not going to know I'm making a move until I mean, not you personally, yeah. but people outside that to you drive by and you're like, oh, he's sell oh, he's oh, because I don't even know if it's going to work. Right. So why broadcast? Right. But I feel like it's an opportunity. My best friend told me, he said, Derek, on a small scale, you've had two wins in the real estate game. Yeah. Pretty big wins, too. Right. Right. You know, and this is coming from somebody who I consider to be a future multimillionaire. Yeah. Right. This is coming from a guy that could literally do what he wants, but he has five pairs of shoes. Right. You know, he 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 talks to me. Do you really need that new TV? Do you really need that new truck? And we talked about the kind of the same things. Right. Yeah. And I think the older that I get, I'm blessed that every time you turn the key, the, the vehicle starts, it runs well, the heat works, everything. And you're getting from point A to point B. Yeah. And I feel like the older I'm getting, the more I'm looking at it as I want to be comfortable. If something, if I want to take a vacation with my family, if something comes up, if we want to go and buy something for the home, new furniture and stuff like that, you want to be able to put yourself in a position where you can do that. Sounds like you're really after the same things I'm after. It's just a quest for freedom. Freedom. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to have to show up and be obligated um, for too long a period of my life. Obviously, we got to work to earn. So, like at some point, we're beholding to our clients or our employer or somebody, we got to answer to somebody to earn this money. Right. But at some point I just want to be like, I don't need that. Right. You can go, you can go ahead and go on with that. Right. Like, I don't need that. That freedom is something that I feel like most people want. Yeah. And I feel like, do you think they're willing to sacrifice to really get it? Or are they just going to try to go where the safe play is? The safe play is always the, the thing to go to, right? Yeah. You know what you're making every Friday. I know when my paychecks are coming, and you balance your life around that. Yeah. I come from a middle-class, blue-collar family. Everybody in my family works at probably some place in this area, right, okay? Right. And that's all I've known. Yeah. Military, law enforcement, production, yeah. truck drivers. Yeah. There are people in my family that have pushed the, the envelope. There's doctors in my family. There's lawyers. There's pilots. Right. There's you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I really I really look at them and I'm like that's that's awesome. Yeah. But at I think people take the safe bet because at the end of the day the safe bet is food on the table, roof over your head, comfortable comfortability, vacations, yeah. Yeah. nice bass boat, you know whatever right. whatever it is for you, right? right? You know. But I think really trying to seek financial freedom is taking chances. Yeah. And maybe I'm in a different position than most people, but I think that some people, even in my family, they didn't understand why I did what I did just now. Yeah. Why would you do that? Right. Why would you sell your home? Why would you? Well, m my vision, my formula, 
may not work for anybody else. Right. And the formula is out there. Yeah. And I'm not the only one that took advantage of this. Right. Because there are people that, that have teenagers that have unloaded their home. Yeah. There are people that have, because of the way the market, now we don't know what's going to happen. Right. We don't know if it's going to take a dip. We don't know. But that would be beneficial to you as to a me. buyer. On, you're now, right, on the back end. If it did come a correction, but um, I don't see I don't see a wave crashing. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I see, I see the opportunity for the interest rates to kind of climb back up and you'd be able to borrow less, but you have more money now. Right. So, like, it's a yin and yang type thing. Yin and yang because you're going to go to the table – yeah. And on paper, I'm going to look stronger. Definitely. And that's all they care about. Yep. They don't know you as a person. Right. They don't know what type of cereal you eat in the morning. <laughs> they don't know what type of bad habits you have. Right. Or you, good habits. Or good habits. Yep. All they know is what you look like on paper and how much of a risk you are. Yeah. So if you come on paper and you're saying that, hey, I've, I've X'd out these debts. Yep. I've increased the amount of liquid assets that I have. And I also have the ability for more purchasing power, I feel like that's what they're looking at, right? Debt-to-income debt ratio is lower. Yep. Everything else has stayed the same, you know? Honestly, bro, if I, had it, if I really had it over to do again, I would have probably, probably taken your route, even though I'm not a military guy. Right. The benefits that you get off of being a military person, um, I mean, that VA loan is such a great thing. It's like, a blessing. I mean, it is such a – and then, you know, just the healthcare aspect of it and, you know, not having to worry about these stupid premiums and these stupid deductibles we have to pay today right. and the education that would come with it. Like, you're you're a great example of, like, if I had it overdue again, you know, I would probably risk – I would probably take the same risk you did. And I know you took big risk and you were in, you were in the danger zone. Right. But the benefit that you get for surviving that and, like, you know, you're you're able to thrive on those benefits. Uh, so I'd have to take advantage of that. And I would love to talk to you about, you know, maybe next next time we talk about your military thing and, you know, give us some funny stories there. For sure. Dude, I just can't, uh, like, thank you enough for wanting to be a consistent player in this game uh, with us and, and just talking to us every month. I'm thankful for the opportunity yeah. that you got. I'm thankful for you guys believing in me coming to the show. Yeah. I'm thankful for what you guys feel like I can bring. You're right. The decisions I made at 18, 19, I w if I woke up tomorrow and I was 18 again, I would still probably go in some branch of service. Yeah. Maybe the Air Force, maybe somewhere a little less dangerous. But at the same time, the experiences and the things my eyes have seen, I, I'm thankful. Yeah. Because I would have never traveled the way I have. I would have never been to certain places that I've been in, I wouldn't have gained the experience that I have, the insight that I have. There are people that live across the Atlantic that live in ways that you wouldn't even imagine. There are people in the U.S. that live in ways that you wouldn't imagine. But unless you have placement and access to those things, you'll never know. Right. You know, And there's nothing wrong with not traveling, not doing anything like that. I'm speaking for me personally. Yeah. If I hadn't have chose to go into the military, if I hadn't have chose to do what I did, I would not be where I'm at right now. I would not have the the opportunity. I would not have set myself up the way that I have. Yep. And I know that other people have had way rougher lives than I have, and they've never even ventured outside of Virginia. Yeah. And I know that. Yep. But I can only speak for me. And the great and uh, rolling this back to the real estate thing is you can bank all that 
money you just made and go back to your VA loan again and get 100% financing at the preferred rate right. than, you know, than the standard conventional loan that has to take that money and put 20% down. I mean, you're just being able to catapult your financials in a way that a lot of people don't even understand through the sacrifices that you've made for the country, right. which is awesome. So, I, I mean, next time we talk, I want to really get into, like, why you made the decision. You right. know, what happened? Give us some stories. You know, let's let's talk about your military time and uh, and continue to layer on your relationship, you know, type right. stuff. And, and, like, where you are, like, in the house that I'm – you know, I got to give myself a, a shout-out. That's a great customer service I just <laughs> right. provided you. Yeah. Hey, man, you, you, you Scott um, – it's a blessing. Um, I I I want. I think I saw the vision late. You had because of your profession. You had un, you have already understood years ago yeah. the the value in 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 real estate. Yeah. And I think some of us the formula has been out there, but we're learning a little bit late. Right. But the more and more I talk to you, the more and more I see the vision. Hey, grab that one small house. Grab that second small house. Grab that third one. And now at the end of it, you got $200,000 sitting there that you can lean on whenever you need to. Yep. And here's the great thing about it. You know how you fund your 401k every month right? or every paycheck? Right. This thing you don't fund unless it needs repaired. Like that's your funding of like other people's money. You just get the financing lined up from the bank. The renter pays the payment. Right. You don't actually have to pay anything unless it's number one, vacant. Number two, needs a fix. Right. So like, you know, where you where you get an employer contribution at a small rate of your 401k, like 95% of the real estate asset that's a rental is getting paid for. Gotcha. Not your money, other people's money. Other people's money. Yes. Right. OPM. 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 Not OPP, y'all. We're down with OPP. No, OPM. (laughs) Other people's money. Yeah, And that's what we want. We want to leverage the bank. We want to leverage other people's money to pay for our assets and cash flow us over time. Right. So, like, that's what I'm going to be – I mean, you know, you've heard me talk about that. You need to get your – you need to get your asset, your family, house in order, and then start making these investments. Investments, yeah. Yeah. And I think that we have been talking about this for three years of starting that portfolio with the first – Rental property. Yep. And see, the great thing is, is you can leverage that VA loan for another for another home, and you don't have to take any of that fifty k or whatever x amount of dollars it was to uh, to that to that home that's going to pay you. Right. You know. Right. And so you know, and and also being able to see how these things work, and being able to understand that a home may take a little bit of TLC. I had the vision for my home. I said. Yep. People are going to love certain things about that home. One, the basement. Right. Two, the front porch. Yep. Everybody loves a big country front porch. And just the neighborhood that it's in. The neighborhood, the overall square footage, the two driveways, the basement finished. Dude, right. it was a great home. Right. It, it served you well. It did. It, and, and, and that's the way I have to look at it. I have to look at it as it, it really what it was, it was a vision for me to have me and my dad have always wanted a little bit of land, five to 10 acres with a pond. Yeah. My dad wants horses. When I started seeing that we could potentially have that and minimize the square footage in our home and kind of downsize, but still have the land aspect. Yeah. And then also capitalize off of the sale, lower debt and kind of replenish savings. Yeah. It was, it was a no brainer to me. Right. For us to be able to do that. Right. You know, so, I mean, I think I even had a conversation with staff today 
uh, in our team meeting. You yeah. know, if it was up to my family, love them to death. My mom has supported me in every way. She's looked out for me. But if it was up to my parents, I'd be a bus driver for BT. They just don't know. They family don't know. They right. don't like you know what what I'm capable of versus the security and safety they wanted me to live in. Right. I'd be. I'd be a bus driver making eighteen dollars an hour for Blacksburg Transit, right? If it was up to them, and you know, you know, it's crazy you mentioned that because they love you more than anything. They do, and they want you. They want to shield you from anything out in the world. Yep. But because you decided, no, I want a little bit more. I want to take a chance. No, I want it all. You want it all. <laughs> <laughs> this right here, this is your brand. Yes, you have built a brand. Yeah, and. People don't understand what this is. Right. People don't understand that you might sell 15, 20, 1,100, 1,200 square foot houses, but those add up. Yeah. The big houses come. The, you know what I'm saying? People don't understand that you could leave right now, go apply at Volvo, right, yeah. today, and, and you, could it, be a, you could be a supervisor. And, and all this stress could go away. And all, right, right. Yeah. But the reason why you stay in it is because – your formula, your vision, other people don't understand it, but you feel that something is going to come out of this. Freedom. The finish line of freedom. Right. That's what I'm after. Right. So, so you know, people can look at it like money, like it's money. I'm hungry for that. Right. It's not. It's a, it's a lifestyle that doesn't equal me having to do anything I don't want to do. <laughs> That's it. I can't even <laughs> not doing something I don't want to do. Right. Right. And how many things do we do that we don't want to a do? A bunch. A bunch. Yep. Right. But I know that I have people that are dependent on me yep. and people that if I wanted to say, forget it all tomorrow and I just wanted to stay home and play video games, people would still love me. Yeah. But that wouldn't make me happy. Right. You know, and my aunt always asked, Tina always asked, won't you just sit down somewhere? You're selling the house, you're selling this, you're doing that. But once you get a little taste of it, oh Tina, once you get a taste of it, yeah, you're like, what's the next opportunity? Right. What's the next thing I could do? Can I purchase another house or a duplex and have that for three to four years, five years, and unload that? Yeah. Could I keep it? You don't. We don't know how these things are going to play out. Right. All I know is I saw an opportunity. Like I said, not only for myself but for my family. So I was like, you know what? I think this is going to work. And I apologize on camera to my neighbors, to people that I love, to my family, to Rose, to everybody that this process was very stressful because sometimes when I come out the gate, I am 100 miles an hour. But it's only because I understand the process and how things are moving. But I did need people to kind of come in and say, hey, that might not be the best house. This might not be the best school district. This might not be the best decision. Let's not do this. And I can tell them right now, I am thankful for that. Yeah. I think I had the end goal in mind, but I'm very thankful I had people to help me throughout the process. Right. Yeah. Dude, you've got a big blessing. With, Huge. I mean, the woman in your life keeping you on track. <laughs> dude. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, you can't you can't say enough about that and you can't say enough about just having uh, a blessing and favor and finding somebody that you genuinely want to see do good. Yeah. I know I can't fix problems for everybody, yeah. but when you find somebody that you know has your back the same way that you have theirs. I know she does too. That's, I just feel that's, the vibe. that's uh, you can't put anything on that. 
And uh, so I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. All right. Well, we got him coming back in like three or four weeks. We're going to save uh, a whole different uh, side of him, this military thing. I'm like really like excited to talk to you about that. Right. Um, more jokes to come. More too. jokes. Yeah. yeah. And like, honestly, man, you just need to grab the mic, get out, get right. out and get doing something, you know, like right. nurture that, create that first painting, toss it in the trash, try again. Right. Like, just get, let's just get you started. And this could be maybe the jumping off point. Right. You know, maybe somebody contacts you. Hey, you think you funny. Come on and be funny. Okay. You know, right. like, <laughs> hey, do let, it. let's get something going right there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's episode 16. Uh, finding your place. Finding your Sometimes place. I mess up and still say putting you in your place. <laughs> but um, but yeah, episode sixteen. Um, you know, I got to shout out Weston. Thanks, Weston, uh, for being here and helping us out here. Um, I don't know, man. We need to hit this thousand subscribers. You know, we need to pop this bottle. We're man. gonna do it. Let's get it. We're gonna speak it. Speak it as if it already happened. No doubt about it. Yep. All right, guys. Till next time. See you.